Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be looking at key market themes, as well as a selection of UK equities. We're in the midst of earnings season here in the UK, so receiving some very insightful updates from companies. And to go through these, we have with us once more, Alan Green. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast today. Morning again, John. How are you? Yes, very, very well. Thank you very well. We're quite enjoying actually this week and uh, a situation where we're starting to go back in markets where we're looking at company earnings and what companies are doing as opposed to politics. Now, obviously, everybody will know that we've got Rishi Sunak yes. now, Alan, <laughs> in number 10. And, you know, looking at the market reaction initially, it's it's, it's been positive. I mean, just in the last few minutes before we started to record this podcast, we had the announcement that the OBR economic forecast is going to be pushed back to November the 17th. And we have seen an easing off in the pound against the dollar since that, because it does create a little bit of uncertainty. But generally, looking at markets, it's it's been a thumbs up from them for, for, for Rishi Sunak coming in. Of course, he's going to be looking at bringing spending under control and you know those tax cuts that Liz Truss and Quasi Quarting proposed are now a thing of the past. So it looks like there's a bit more confidence coming back into to UK assets. But just looking, I know it's very early, Alan, but when we're looking at this initial re- reaction over the last couple of days to Rishi Sunak, do you think that's a, a sign of things to come and we could see more confidence coming back into UK assets? Or do you think it's a blip? And of course, as we mentioned just very briefly before we started recording, that we're likely in a recession here in the UK and we could see further pressure in UK assets going forwards. Yes, I, I think uh, what we're seeing, John, is um, is a, a known known, if you like. It, you know, uh, despite uh, you know Rishi's Rishi Sunak's well well uh, documented um, uh, issues with his uh, wife's tax affairs, um, uh, he did address those, but those were really weighing against him in the initial race with Liz Truss. Um, but I think uh, I think now. The party um, and probably a lot of Tory voters recognise that actually he's a very safe pair of hands. He's cautious. He's pragmatic. He's um, he takes his time and and also he's a he's a very he's very good at politics. You know he's let's face it, this guy's a multi multi millionaire getting on for billionaire status. He doesn't need to do this job. So he's in politics because he loves because he loves what he does and he's good at it you know he his handling of the his handling of the uh, covid crisis uh, the furlough scheme was was it was strong it was resolute um he responded very quickly to market pressures and i think um i think after liz trust came to power uh and stuck that uh, stuck that uh, ridiculous well i say ridiculous it was a budget for growth you know it was what everyone wanted to hear, but um, I don't think uh, uh, people were prepared for the practical ramifications of what that what uh, 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 putting pushing that budget budget forward would would entail. And of course, uh, it it really wouldn't tie in with any forecasts for um, the, the the economy as it stands at the moment. But Rishi Sunak, um, having been Chancellor, will work with Jeremy Hunt, and I'm sure they'll 
be cautious and pragmatic. And there's going to be pain. Uh, yeah, let's make no mistake about it. There will be pain for householders. Um, but uh, I think going forward, we've got much more certainty. And I think um, and I think we could almost put finally put politics and the shenanigans in the Tory party on the back burner for now while we focus on company reporting season. You know, it's actually nice to get back to talk uh, to rather than talking about how the politicians have smashed the stock market and tanked the pound. It's rather nice to be looking at a reasonably stable backdrop, um, certainly for the FTSE 100, as we enter uh, reporting season. Indeed, indeed. And I think you alluded to it there, Alan, that, you know, bringing that stability to the government is really what Rishi has done with the appointment of his cabinet. It was quite interesting to see uh, the the different jobs he was giving out yesterday because, you know, that there was the potential for him to really, you know, get rid of Liz Truss's uh, cabinet altogether, which he didn't do. So it shows that he's he's there to unify the party because that was the biggest risk, really, with yes. Rishi Sunak yeah. coming on. That he comes in, and there's still that division throughout the party. And you know, although you know he he's seems a, a safer uh, pair of hands, he could have a battle with the backbenchers on his hands if he did boot everybody out and and do his own thing with his new cabinet. Uh, jobs that he gave out so yeah that, that's a, that's a good sign and I think the market's taken that well however we are looking here at some of the numbers that have come out from the UK economy recently and it doesn't look uh, particularly pretty and as you said Alan there's, there's going to be some pain and he does have a, a tough job on his hands so it's going to be quite interesting to see some of the big policies that he puts out in the coming weeks and indeed what this OBR forecast says so you know, sort of moving on now, Alan, and you did mention there companies reporting. We've had a busy week of yeah. it so far. We had HSBC yesterday. Um, you know, really sort of looking at the at the numbers there. They had you know quite good revenue in terms of higher interest uh, net interest margins that were coming through, but again, it was down to the outlook and down to to the costs. And it's a similar story that we're seeing with Barclays this morning. You know, looking at the income. Uh, you know, figures that came in, it's quite strong. However, it's people looking forward, Alan. So what does that uh, that update look like from Barclays? Okay, it, it, it's it's a better than expected uh, rise in profits, which is good to see. Uh, just say before, um, before I go into Barclays in detail, of course, um, we had Alphabet and Microsoft uh, report last night. And of course, um, YouTube course. platform for the first time has fallen, advertising revenues have fallen, which is a bit of a landmark event, uh, certainly for the tech sector. And uh, even Microsoft is talking about slowdown in the space. So, yeah, you know, it, it's not been a good start, certainly for, for technology, but perhaps not the impact on markets that you might have expected. But back to Barclays. Um, yeah, better than expected rise in Q3 profits, uh, which is which is always good to see. Um, of course, Already, Barclays is seeing the impact of bad loan charges. Uh, you know, consumers are feeling this cost of living crisis with uh, energy bills and food prices going up and inflation generally. So um, that's starting to manifest itself on the books of Barclays. Um, but uh, a, a pre-tax profit of 1.97 billion compared to 1.86 billion last year is um, is pretty good, and certainly certainly that, that beat, beat the consensus of. A fall in in in, in pre tax profits, um, 
uh, which are expected to, to be 1.81 billion. So that's a good result for Barclays. Um, impairments, as I say, already up. Um, but um, but income overall rose 17% to 6.5 billion. Of course, that's uh, driven... Uh, an awful lot by the increase in interest rates. Of course, um, money on deposit now. The bank, uh, the bank is able to charge more and receive more interest for that. So, of course, that has a huge impact, but not perhaps the impact that you might expect to see on the share price. You know, currently trading at uh, one forty-eight, and I, I will declare I've, I've owned Barclays shares for many years, and um, you know, I think it's uh, one of the better banks out there, and certainly um, in terms of the uh, net asset value of the collective group i think you've got a, a net asset value of around two pound 90 per share it might even be higher than that now but um but obviously you know that's discounted in the markets as we stand at present but um you can enter barclays now at this uh at this uh just off year lows year lows are one one pound 32 or 132 pence per share year highs of two pound 20 per share so you could get in just above year lows now and of course you've got a dividend yield of four Point zero four percent. So if the stock rises um, and you get your dividend too, then you can keep up with inflation, which is always good to know. But I think certainly the the, the outlook for the group uh, going forward is uncertain, um, and uh, of course there's there the, the, there could be higher charges uh, for the group going forward in terms of in, impairments, um, and uh, th- there's also. There's also uh, some concern about the CT1 ratio, which, of course, is 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 a measure of the bank's capitalization. Remember, remember these CT ratios came in after the credit crunch of 2007. And that when you're looking at a bank as an investment, that's a key, that's a key part of it. So um, so the the bank's CT1 ratio fell to 13.8 percent from just over 15 percent. And that reflects um Barclays uh, holding what is generally uh, generally perceived to be uh, riskier assets, but um, there's there's no certainly going forward there's no uh, there's no sort of uh, issue with um, with with earnings going with earnings per se, um, and of course it's the fact is that Barclays unlike bank, uh, other banks in the UK are less reliant on the traditional banking services. They have a very strong uh, investment arm which has performed well for them over the years. Um, and there is, but historically over the past few years, there have also been a series of blunders by the bank uh, in regard to uh, its corporate governance. Um, and that still hangs over the group. So on the one hand, you've got um, the profitability from the investment section or, or the investment uh, uh, part, part of the bank. And on the other hand, that's overhung with this uh, issues of, of corporate governance. But um, I think provided the bank continues to progress on the basis it's been doing then it'll be fine but uh, I think any slip-ups uh, by the group as in regard to governance going forward um, that's that I think more than anything else could 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 put downward pressure on the share price but certainly even even with an increase in impairment charges due to the economy going forward I think Barclays still offers good value uh, by and large and you know potential for growth even even now going forward so, I mean, do you think, Alan, the you know the narrative behind banks is starting to change? Because you know, at the beginning of the year, we were speaking about you know, net higher interest margins, and you know, looking at the benefits of higher interest rates, and we're starting to see that now. That's playing yeah. out. That played out yesterday in HSBC. It played out today in, in Barclays with those 
know, there was much better than expected profit um, figures that, that came through. Do you think now it's a case that people are going to start looking forward and paying more attention to the outlook for these banks when, yes, they're, they're earning good money at the moment due to higher interest rates, but really the deterioration in economic conditions is yet to come. And that's going to be the biggest impact on these banks, although, you know, it may be a period where we see uh, interest rates increase further going through the winter. It's going to be a situation that it's the impairment costs and the risk of, of bad debts that really starts to, to drag on the banks. Yeah, I, that, that that's very much the case, uh, John. Uh, and I think that's what uh, 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 pundits will be watching for when Barclays uh, uh, next reports, but um, but certainly uh, certainly its investment bank has or the investment arm has always been the proverbial jewel in the crown. So if they can pull their act into line and improve their governance and show that they've done that, then I think that's the arm that you can rely on. So so even if there are and there will be further impairments, I'm sure, and uh, and other issues going forward, the bank's not wholly reliant on generating its income from consumer transactions and, of course, uh, interest from uh, funds funds on deposit and under management. Indeed, indeed. You know, it was the bond trading for Barclays that really was uh, the, the standout performer. So it'd be interesting to see how that performs uh, in the in the coming quarters. Let's move on now, Alan, to Reckitt Benkai's a consumer company. Uh, this always provides a good insight into the strength, not only here in the, in the UK, of course, it's a global company, into you know the global consumer. Very interesting figures, Alan, because looking at it, sales like for like were up, volumes were down, um, shares are shares are down. So you know what's been happening there? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a bit a bit a bit of a struggle for records this quarter. Of course, this is the the company with a huge share price. Um, uh, or, or the huge uh, cost per share, if you like, uh, in terms of the uh, buying the stock, currently trading at uh, £56.90, pence, has traded as high as £68 on the year and as, as low as £54. So in a similar position to Mark Barclays, and of course that reflects its status um, as a FTSE 100 constituent and uh, and the, the movements in the markets uh, given recent events. But certainly for, for Ricketts, um, it's, had a, it's had a bit of... Uh, a bit of a challenging quarter. Um, it's it's uh, lowered its full year sales targets, um, even though revenues jumped uh, during the quarter. Life for like uh, revenues were up seven point four percent, and of course, Reckitt has this huge portfolio of of household um, of household goods, um, household cleaning products. Uh, you know, very strong, well known brand names: Finish, Harpic, Vanish, Lysol. Um, all the way through to Neurofence, Strepsils, and Durex, and KY even. But uh, there we go. Um, so, so there's a there's a, a real cross section of brands sold globally. So uh, normally these are very much viewed as defensive companies. You know, companies like Ricketts and Unilever are you know cornerstones in any defensive portfolio. So as you'd expect, you you'll see increases and decreases in the segments, uh, the hygiene segment. Fell one point two percent, but in the health business, sales grew nearly eleven percent, and uh, uh, nutritional products um, grew twenty, uh, nearly twenty five percent. So, a, a strong overall performance. But um, of course, uh, going forward, we've got this uncertainty. There, there is the upward pressure, inflationary pressure on prices, um, and uh, you know, so, so so what we'll probably see going forward are 
of of the the sales will will most likely be maintained, but of course margins will be squeezed because what what it will mean is that uh, the manufacturers and the the brand owners will swallow some of the some of the margins in order to keep prices competitive. Um, so so this is the these are the sort of pressures the company um, has going forward, but. Records is a is a tough old bird. I mean, it's been trading for so many years now. It's it's seen all sorts of crises, gone through the credit crunch, um, and has always been viewed as a defensive stock. And of course, it pays a dividend yield of just over three percent. So, so Myla, you know, it, it's a fairly bleak outlook going forward. But um, I think when you can get a stock like this close to year lows, uh, Records will always find a way to price itself competitively or price its products competitively in the marketplace there will always be a demand you know these are these are products that sell through thick and thin and um, if it means records um, has to sacrifice margins in order to keep the products going out the door that's what i believe it will do i mean just looking at these these figures from records and of course you know it's gonna be the margin pressure but you know, if, if we look at what's happening there, you know, how important is this as a signal for what's happening out there in the rest of the economy? Because of course, volumes have fallen, but but revenue's gone up. Because of mm. course, they're, they're going to be putting their prices up, and these are prices that households are are, are paying. So, you know, in, in your view, is this really inflation starting to come out in sets of results from companies that that uh, we're starting to see prices increase? margins go down and these are uh, going to be pressures not only on on Reckitt Benkiser but these are these are pressures we've been talking about inflation for for some months probably most of this year but we haven't really seen it in in prior quarters indeed Q2 was was pretty good for many companies but Q3 we're starting to see that I mean does this suggest further further hardship and, and maybe the first signs of, of hardship for, for households going forwards? Well, I think uh, I think to, just to uh, revert back to my comment just now, I think Reckitts will will look to maintain prices and absorb some of the inflationary costs themselves. I mean, just look at the comments from the chief executive today, Nika Nikanda Durante. He said it's another quarter of broad based growth amidst challenging market conditions. Uh, the company is continuing to innovate and improve. We have an excellent portfolio of trusted market leading brands in high margin high growth categories and a strong culture of ownership and delivery. So so he said, you know, we are, all of our brands are high margins. So they've got room to maneuver within that. And um, and I think the company will uh, it'll want to retain its uh, its customer base. It'll want to continue to sell um, to, to sell at competitive prices. And I believe they will take those measures going forward. And, and certainly going forward, I mean, um, uh, Durant has said that the Priorities is for the priority for the company is focused on continuing to execute on our path to deliver sustainable mid single digit growth and mid twenties adjusted operating margins by say two thousand twenty five. So he's seen what's happening. You know they've got they've got a plan for likely developments going forward and of course recession. So they've already planned for it. So I think you can be quite confident in what the management are doing here um you know it, it's there's very strong leadership a very strong board in place so um yeah i i would certainly give records the benefit of the doubt right now indeed indeed we quite interesting to see how that story plays out so let's move on now alan to blenkow resources we i think we discussed them on the podcast 
very recently, but there's been quite an interesting development uh, there. What uh, what does that look like? Yeah, well, we're going to talk about Blank Air Resources, Epica, BRES, and also and also um, Kavango Resources. Um, basically, th- th- this is a story of two companies that um, have done, you know, an extremely good fundraise in challenging markets. And uh, and certainly to, to Blenkow, first of all, of course, Blenkow Resources owns the, uh, it, it owns the eponymous um, uh, uh, um, Oran Cross Graphite project in Uganda. And um, th- this, is a, this is a project, well, it, it covers a vast area, about 2,000 square kilometres, um, it's uh, the, the the area uh, literally you can walk across the ground there, and there are bits of graphite sticking out of the ground. I mean, it's very, it's it's a very low capex, uh, 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 a very low capex project. And they, they've the company have gone through evolving the project. Um, they've the, the uh, samples have been back to the labs, and we're now at um, we're now at a point where we're at a DFS um, uh, for the. Uh, for the Orem Cross project, and that, of course, is definitive feasibility study. That's getting the stuff out of the ground and to market, and all the capex associated with that. And today, it's raised a further seven hundred and fifty thousand um, pounds to fund the business with at four p per share. But it hasn't gone to market. It's done that with three existing investors, and of course, you know that compared to say the twos and the three p's that or, or the three the late three p's the company was trading at. Uh, um, a few weeks ago, you know that was at a premium to the to the share price. So th- this is a very strong move by Blenkow. But um, in addition, um, the most of the funding came from Jangarda Mines PLC, Epico JAM, which of course is name listed uh, mining company with assets in Brazil. Um, and Jangarda has increased its holding from two percent to nine and a half percent of the enlarged share capital from that raise. Um, major shareholders Rab Capital and JEB Capital have also um, have also invested pro rata to to maintain their existing holdings. In Rab's case, it's ten percent. In in JEB Capital's case, it's eight point two percent. So, so they're now fast tracking um, asset level transactions to to uh, develop the, the definitive feasibility study and, of course, bring Oron Cross into, into production. And certainly, you know, uh, Cameron Pierce, the exec chairman, said today, welcoming Jangarda Mines is, is great, a new significant shareholder in the company. Um, and uh, th- they've raised this money, you know, fairly easily at a premium to, uh, to, to, to very recent prices, um, bringing in three major shareholders. And that, to me... Says, says an awful lot about the underlying strength in the market at the moment. Whilst, you know, we are facing challenges where there are quality projects out there, um, the the ability is there to raise money. And I think this is a, a big step for for for, uh, for Blank Air Resources, you know, given this development. Shares are up today, as, as I say, to 4.3 pence, um, giving Blank Air a, a miserly valuation of just 7.6 million. And I think you know, considering the steps they've taken with the project, graphite is such a key component for the new clean energy industry and, of course, the EV industry going forward. Um, uh, I, I think uh, I think this, uh, you, we're going to see a major re-rating for Blancow in the not-too-distant future. So, Adam, I mean, this is quite interesting because looking at this, you know, it's not, not only uh, Kavango and Blancow, but last week, Clean Tech Lithium, they raised £12 million yep. uh, to pursue... 
uh, testing of their direct lithium extraction uh, pilots and to further evaluate their their assets. And of course, you know the news today from Cavango and Blencow that they've also secured funding. I mean, to me, it, it strikes that there's a disconnect at the moment between you know investors that are prepared to stump up cash to to specifically fund you know, particular projects and, and push those forward. And then the overall strength in the in the junior resource sector. I mean, it, it's sort of looking at it, and it's not just these three companies. There, there's been many others in, in, in recent weeks. I mean, do you think this is investors taking advantage of lower valuations to, you know, take significant stakes in these in these companies? Or, or, or maybe it's a, it's a precursor to a pickup in the overall junior resource sector. I think it's a bit of both, John. I think what we're seeing is, um, what we're seeing is, is you know, we all talk about stock picking. You know, that's the old term, isn't it? But actually, that's what this is all about. You know, investors are picking stocks. You know, they're picking, they're doing their research and they're looking at the quality assets, the track record of the company, how far the project is, is, is advanced. And of course, with mining projects such as this, there's a, there's a long lead time and um, you've got to take that project through various phases. You've got to do the initial sa- sampling on the site, then you drill, then you get the stuff out of the ground, then you get to the lab, then you, you, you conduct an assessment, then a preliminary economic assessment and then a pre-feasibility study. And then the, the DFS, the definitive feasibility study, is the one that's late in the day. So, so I think this is highly significant because what it says is, um, a group of experienced institutional investors have looked at Blencow and said, yep, we think the stock's at a tipping point. It's only worth 7.6 million. It's taken Oron Cross all the way through from the concept through to the DFS, uh, the, the point of DFS. Next stage, we're going to see um, potentially um, as the DFS, you know, if the DFS um, comes in where it's hoped and it shows that it's going to be a profitable uh, a profitable mine with a 15 to 20 year mine life, then I think we're going to see the, the value explode, you know, and it'll start to reflect something uh, along the lines of where the project should be. I mean, just uh, for instance, there, you know, we've got, uh, we've also, of course, talked about sovereign metals and we've had, uh, you, I know you've had uh, sovereign metals on the um, on the seminars on numerous occasions. Sovereign Metals has got a valuation of about uh, 80 million, and that's based on the Rutar project in Malawi, which is huge. And, and there's another announcement out from the company this morning. It's, it's an absolutely huge project. But um, but uh, the the Blenkow Oran Cross project is further down the road than the than um, Casilla. So um, if you look at it in those terms, I think it's hugely undervalued. And I think uh, what we're going to see as the DFS starts to progress is we're going to see a valuation that more reflects um, the sort of valuation that we're seeing with sovereign metals, and that's really exciting because I mean that's a that's that's pretty pretty much a tenfold uplift. Um, and when people invest in small stocks like this, they look and they talk about ten baggers. This is how a ten bagger evolves, and uh, I think we're in for a really exciting uh, run for blank out in the coming weeks and months. And um, is, they've also issued with this; they've issued warrants. Um, so it's one warrant per two shares, and these warrants are exercisable at eight p. So that kind of tells you something about where Blenkow thinks the uh, th- thinks the share price is going to go in the not too distant future. Indeed, indeed. Now, of course, this this sector is for the adventurous. 
investor because not all these companies will 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 make it and you know I, th- I think one of the things that you're just seeing with the activity in the last few weeks that you know of course when, when you see initial discoveries uh you know initial findings we can see big upticks in share prices but it's really a long game it's for uh it's for a you know a patient investor that wants to see some of these projects out, and not all of them will get there as as we said. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. there's going to be ups and downs in these in these companies, and you know looking at the overall sector at this point in time, you know we're we're seeing you know one of those downtimes. But you know as you alluded to, Alan, you know those ones with the stronger assets and those assets that have the potential to be world class are the ones that will make it out. And, uh, you know, it's not going to happen overnight Hmm. for those companies. So just as a a recap of the companies that we have discussed today, first of all was Barclays with a ticker of BARC. It was then Wreck-It Ben Kaiser with a ticker of RB. We then discussed Kavango Resources with a ticker of KAV. And also at the same time, Blencow Resources with a ticker of BERS. And Alan touched on Sovereign Metals very briefly at the end there, which has a ticker of SVML. Alan, thanks very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks very much, John. So just as a, a note to listen, a bit of a correction to one of the podcasts that we had previously, we were discussing Lloyd's and there were some figures there which were incorrect. If you've gone back and, and rectified, so that was one from uh, from a few weeks ago. Um, so some figures that we that we read out there that uh, we've rectified in that podcast. Um, so thank you very much for everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.